the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield. Strewn with debris of a fallen world, it challenges even the hardest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. And step into As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Welcome, friends. It's Saturday, and we're thankful to be back with you this morning to talk about courageous Christianity. I say thankful, not that I'm not always thankful, but because in times like this, it's important to be thankful for things exactly as they are, for the little things and the people in our lives who make it all worthwhile and important. My brother once said to me, if it doesn't breathe, it doesn't matter. And I think we're learning a lot these days about what matters. As always, I'm joined by Christy Stratton, my compassionate wingman. Good morning, Richard, and everyone. Good morning, Christy. Friends, I don't have to tell you that these are anxious times. There's tremendous uncertainty in our nation and the world as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Last week, we talked briefly about this challenge and about the things that we, as courageous Christians, could do. In the weeks since, the situation has certainly worsened. Between 2008 and 2014, I spent over two years in Iraq and Afghanistan in three separate combat deployments. As a pilot in the air over Afghanistan, as an advisor team leader in Southern Helmand Province, and as a staff officer on the general staff in Iraq, I saw combat from all angles. I saw it in the gritty tactical level, and I saw it from the strategic level. Needless to say, I have a little experience with fear and uncertainty. Let me say without a doubt that in the fear and the uncertainty of this world and these days, our opportunity as courageous Christians is not diminished. It is even more significant. As health concerns over family and friends, money worries and career considerations cause others to falter, we can be steadfast knowing that our trust is in the Lord. As others become more paranoid and self-seeking, we can become more generous. As others become more scared, we can be more encouraging. As others question their hope, we can show them that our hope is in Jesus. As the saying goes, the darker it gets, the brighter every light seems. Friends, we have been chosen for such a time as this. We who place our faith in the Lord will not be put to shame. Welcome 
I'm grateful today to talk to you about our continuing opportunity as courageous Christians on the spiritual battlefield. Before we march ahead with what I pray will be an encouraging conversation, I must share with you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, God of all creation, King of the universe, we come to you this morning in solemn prayer. Together, Lord, we offer these prayers boldly and with thanksgiving for the faith which we have by your grace. We ask, Father, that you give us strength in these troubled times, that you grant us compassion and love for each other, and that when we look back on these days, which we know will pass, we will be able to say that when things seem darkest, we shine most brightly. Dear Lord, in these anxious times, help us to walk as courageous Christians, certain in the knowledge of your love and overflowing with the joy of Christ, our Lord and Savior. We beseech your blessing on behalf of first responders, nurses, doctors, and all of those on the front lines of this difficult battle. May you grant them your unfailing protection and tireless endurance. In Jesus' courageous name, amen. Christy, what a week. What a week. You're right. There's a lot that's going on that's causing people to question things, and it's change. And from my perspective, this is hard to hear, because I do recognize the struggle. I had a friend who was a principal in a school, and he started a program where on Fridays they would give the kids backpacks to take home because they understood that eating at school was the only time those kids ate. Right. And so his program took backpacks and sent them home for the whole family. Mm-hmm. And the thought that those children are going without food, the thought that they're at home, the thought that parents are without paychecks, worrying about daycare, people are losing sleep, is not lost on me. This is very real, and it's very significant. At the same time, I always think change is good because it's not like we're so happy with things as they are that they couldn't stand to change. True. Does that sound harsh? Well, to me, it sounds real. It doesn't sound harsh. I mean, that that is the reality if you look at it that way. But I wonder, you know, what what's everybody else thinking? I'm I'm sensing you read Facebook. There's a lot of worry. Yeah. And what does the Bible tell us about worry? You know, in all questions, the first thing I say is, what does the Bible say? And right. the Bible says that tomorrow's troubles are sufficient unto tomorrow. Right. And so if our faith doesn't cause us to say, Lord, we understand that you will have your way, and all we have to do is put one foot in front of the other courageously. So we've talked about offensive operations. We've talked about defensive operations. We've talked about the fact that our faith is something we nurture quietly with our God as we put on his full armor to go forth and do good works. Mm -hmm. So right now, maybe, we're a little more focused on getting in the right place, the right heart space, the right mental space um, in in the face of this worry. I think some people are that have years of walking the faith, but think about new Christians. Think about people who don't have the faith and they're hearing you know i need to be 
maybe reading my Bible more. Well, what what does that really do? Yeah, I I get it. That's a good question. Um, I mean, is that going to feed my child? Well, on the back of my book, I talk about the fact that before each of my deployments, I write a letter to each of my kids and I say that in the app in the if I did not come home and would there be any reason why they wouldn't read those letters I mean in those letters I pour my heart out to them I tell them what I hope for them what's a good thing to do what they should avoid and now let's say I don't come home from a deployment and those letters are sitting there on the counter and they never read them yeah well, the Bible is God's letters to us. And imagine each of us as a kid in bed at night and your dad comes to sit on the side of the bed and you say to him, I'm scared. And he says, why are you scared? And you say, because uh, I don't know what's happening and everything is changing. And he says, well, let me tell you a story. And he talks to you lovingly and compassionately and explains things. And that's the Bible. You get in bed or you're sitting on your sofa or you're with your family and you're scared and you're anxious and you read the Bible, which is God's loving letters to us. There's such, you, you know, if you're, if you're in a very religious mind, then the Bible sounds very judgy and full of rules, and that is not the point. That's religiosity. That's religiosity. The Bible is filled with guidance. How not to be anxious. The battle is mine, says the Lord. It's one. I sorted all of this out. Just put one foot in front of the other. But what about this? Well, let me tell you about that. And then he tells a story. There's such comfort and guidance And so to answer your question, in the absence of God's loving letters to us, his guidance, his comfort, him sitting on the side of our bed and telling us everything will be okay or this is why things are happening, then life is just cruel and and filled with suffering. True. But that's not the case. The case is, as we said last week, He bends all things toward good. He uses everything. And I think he is working. I think he is working tirelessly in all of the suffering that we will uh, undergo. So, again, going back to the listeners and thinking about all the different types of listeners out there. And I, I hear you. Okay, so that's a story from our Heavenly Father. And it can make us feel better. It can be that that book that we, you know, go back to and read and read and read. But I still wonder if you don't really understand the power in that, how does that help my child feed eat when i've when, when there's no when they're not going to school and right. I don't have the funds i've just my my job's been slashed in half as far as my income goes, and you know i the restaurant I work at is closed right right how's my child going to eat Faith is a choice okay. it's always a choice to believe is first and foremost a choice. So the first thing we do is we decide to believe, and then in our faith, we read the Bible. And that tells us certain things. It says that 
if you believe in your heart and do not doubt, you can move a mountain into the ocean. So God will provide. In every instance of my life where I have asked God, he has provided. It might not be how I thought he would provide. It might not be what I thought I needed. I had a lot of financial problems years ago, and I prayed every day to win the lottery, and I never won the lottery. But I'll tell you what I did do. I ended up with a second job. And when I didn't know how I was going to do that job, I started a carpentry business. And when I didn't know how I was going to do that job, I happened to be at a a carpentry supply warehouse, and there was a guy standing next to me, and I started talking to him while he was a Marine. And he said, follow me back to my shop. And for the next two weeks, I worked with him, learned a ton of stuff, and in the following years, I made more in my carpentry job than I made at the airlines. So God resources our needs as a loving parent. He does so through other people. And it's when we open ourselves up, beginning with the Bible, looking at everything through the lens of faith. If we just look at it as random, disconnected events, it makes no sense. If you look through the lens of faith and you say, okay, I'm going in this gym of hardship. I'm going to be doing hard work. I want to get stronger. It's painful. I'll lift heavier weights every day. And God is my personal trainer. And he's doing something now. And I don't know what this exercise is all about, but I know he's the personal trainer and I know I will come out stronger. So mine is but to do this exercise. The Bible tells you all of that. It explains how he works these things toward good. So I'm hearing that it's um, so people who don't have that practice of reading the Bible that if they can liken it to something that they do know, i.e. the gym, I mean, that, that's a good, that's a, it's a good analogy. You know, you go in, you, you, you know that you want to be here, you do this, you read this to get here. And so um, I think that's helpful. So it's something tangible that people can do. Does a child need to worry if their father is going to pay the rent? No. Does a child need to worry if their father cares enough to provide food? They believe in that father. They they believe in that father. And are we not told that God is our heavenly father? And does he not tell us? He says this exact thing. What father, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would give him a snake? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven know how to give good gifts to you? He says that. He created us. And the truth of the matter is, and this might sound weird to a lot of people, it's his responsibility to take care of us in the same way as it's a father and mother's responsibility to take care of their child. Right. I get that. We have but to believe. believe. And where do we find out that he's a good father? in the Bible and the stories of the Bible. Where do we find out that he thinks of himself as our father, our heavenly father? In the Bible. In the Bible. Where do we find out about his nature that he is not this angry, vengeful God, but a loving father who does not tolerate buffoonery, but does everything for a purpose? In In the the Bible. Bible. It tells us about him. And then our faith becomes real because we know, guess what? In the Bible, God makes a lot of promises. Yeah. And guess what else? He keeps them all. He does keep them. And I know this is hard. It is hard. 
uh, I had just started experiencing professional success at the airlines. I was an instructor pilot. Everything was great. I was finally making a good salary. I was finally able to turn around and start paying off a lot of the debt that I'd accumulated uh, between the Marine Corps and the airlines. And September 11th happened. Mm. Yeah. And I was knocked to the absolute bottom of the ladder such that I ended up working seven days a week for five years. When I wasn't flying airplanes, I was doing carpentry. And... After that, God worked to get me back in the Marines. And the next thing you know, when I look back on all of these things, it got me here precisely where I'm supposed to be. So I said in an earlier show that courageous Christianity brings us into contact with people and situations And when we stand firm in our faith, those situations become God's classroom. And uh, a friend of mine has a lot of regret about different things that he's done wrong in life. And I say to him, but did you learn a lesson from that? And he says, yeah. And I say, well, how can you attend a class, learn a lesson, enjoy the fact that you learned the lesson, value the fact that you learned the lesson, and then wish you'd never attended the class? Right. And by the way, in all of this hardship... His ways are higher than our ways. I don't know who the teacher is, who the student is, or what the lesson is. But I do know that if I view things through the lens of faith, then this loving Father who keeps his promises, who is faithful, who I've learned about from the Bible, will do his good work. And if everything else that has happened to me to this moment has brought me to a place where I'm so thankful to be such that now I can sit here and share my heart with people, then why would I believe that what's going to happen in the future is going to be any different? The best indicator of future performance is past behavior. Good good point. And so we find out all about this in the Bible. And that brings us to a moment of truth because we're talking about the Bible, and in every episode we have a moment of truth where we look at a scripture which informs our discussion, and we do this to remind ourselves that regardless of what we experience in the world, the Bible is a living, breathing, and absolutely relevant source of our loving Father's guiding word. And our moment of truth today comes from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, which we hear said a lot, but we have to really think about it for a while. And the Lord said... Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Friends, wherever the next months take us, whatever our challenges and whatever the toll, God is with us. He is with us in the flowers of spring, He is with us in the kindness we offer one another, and He is with us in the charity we extend to strangers. Our God is benevolent, meticulous, and faithful. Our hope in him will not put us to shame. In him there is no uncertainty. I believe that with all my heart. My prayers get answered in such amazing ways. I can only stand in awe. And I'd like to talk to you about a very serious... Normally at this point of the show I I have a quote. You know I love to leave you with a quote. And today I decided on a reading. And... It's a very serious one, and I, and I hope it will resonate with you. 
I'd like to read to you from a sermon given by a rabbi in Nazi Germany on the eve of the Jewish holiday Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. On October 10, 1935, as the full extent of Nazi evil began to unfold, Rabbi Leo Beck spoke to the Jewish communities of Germany. I thought his guidance to his congregation was absolutely relevant to us as our horizon seems dark with the hanging clouds of viral uncertainty. He said, We stand before our God. Our strength is in Him. In Him is the truth and the dignity of our history. In Him is the source of our survival through every change. Our firm stand in all our trials. The Lord led our fathers from generation to generation. He will continue to lead us and our children through our days. Him we serve and remain steadfast in all the changes around us. We put our faith in Him in humility. In the decade that followed World War II, there's no doubt, I'm sorry, in the decade that followed this sermon, there's no doubt that the Jewish people experienced unspeakable horror. Nor is there any doubt that their faith, even unto death, serves as a limitless source of encouragement for all who suffer. And should we suffer in the coming months, we must also remember that three years after the end of World War II in 1948, the state of Israel was born and God's promises to his chosen people were fulfilled. They were faithful and God was faithful, and so it will be with us, those who are grafted into the vine of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, that was their time, and this is our time. It's about faith in God. So in closing, let me say that I understand that fear over the coronavirus is growing. Perhaps by now you know somebody who's ill. Stores have empty shelves, gatherings are discouraged, children are home from school, and many of us are not working. It is easy to feel afraid and isolated. Courage is defined as the ability to do something that frightens us. It is strength in the face of pain or grief. It is okay to be scared, but our fear must not overcome our courage, and our feelings of isolation must not overcome our sense of community. We serve a loving God. He is close at hand in times of weakness and struggle. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, talks about the gift of faith. We who have this gift can rejoice. In fact, Philippians chapter 4 Verses 4 and 5 tell us to do just that. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Let's say that due to coronavirus for the next while, we are slightly physically disconnected from each other. Let's say we skip church services for a few weeks, that we eat together less, and that we congregate less around work activities. If this is the case, what if we use the downtime to read our Bibles? What if we spend more of this time in prayer? What if we have more connected time with family? What if we channel the unsettled feelings we may have into strengthening our spiritual and family lives? Would this not be a beneficial outcome? Let's give this time to God in the study of His Word, in prayer, and in our actions. With His help, let us each do good where we can. If you have the means, contribute money to a charity organization. When you can, try to be encouraging. Call someone on the phone and ask them how they're doing. Post something positive on Facebook. Buy only what you need. Wash your hands. Obey the requests of public servants in trying to stop the spread of the virus. Don't say negative things. Avoid unnecessary conflict. With the right intention and the right faith, this challenge can be a turning point. How history and God judge us is up to you. 
and our thoughts and prayers are with you. Christy, your closing thoughts. I think I get it. This is our opportunity. And even if we're new to our faith, then reading the Bible, trusting what you've been through is something that can really move us forward, like you said, step by step by step. Yeah, and if we're new to our faith, God has worked to bring you to that place. Yeah, amen. He's watching over you. He has you in the palm of his hand. He will provide for you like a loving father. It's his job. You just have like but he's to done be for you, just like he's done for many. Absolutely. Friends, I know it's hard, but we're loved, and God will be with us through these troubled times. If you want to know how to be a warrior, read your Bible. And if you want to know more about spiritual warfare from the military perspective, please read my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. It is available on Kindle at Amazon and in paperback at rightmakesmight.com. Should you want to reach me, I can be contacted at rich at richardmendelow.com. Friends, thanks for joining Christy and me today. We know your time is valuable and we are grateful. I'm Richard Mendelow, and you've been listening to Courageous Christianity. God bless and semper fi.